Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus 15 as we continue our series in the book of Exodus free at last. And they begin reading at verse 22, down to verse 27. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They came to Marah. When they came to Marah, they, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. The people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. There he tested them, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord." your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water, 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that as we sit, all of us, under the authority of your Word, you, by the power of your Spirit, would do that work in us through your Word. Continue to transform us, Lord. Make us more like your son and our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. All right. Anybody ever come out of a season of difficulty in your life only to find yourself facing another season of difficulty? <laughs> even, if, even if the subsequent trial was not as hard as the previous one, the experience of back-to-back trials can leave you, if you're honest, struggling for perspective. In fact, if I have any honest people in the house this morning, you can look at Israel's grumbling and think, yeah, that would have been me. (laughs) Because in fact, that has been me. (laughs) If we are honest, we have found ourselves at times in difficult circumstances, especially when they appear back-to-back grumbling at our families, grumbling at our friends, grumbling at our neighbors, grumbling at our leaders, or as will be the case in Israel's journey, grumbling at God. We find ourselves doing the opposite of what the songwriter sings of in the song, I Won't Complain. Yet the words of that song remind us that living in this world brings with it, brings with it hills to climb, weary days, sleepless nights. It it brings with it times where, where the clouds hang low and we can hardly see the road. Times where we ask the question, Lord, why so much pain? And what Israel's journey through the wilderness is going to teach us in, uh, uh, teach us, uh, in part is that the journey of this life, even, even for those who have, have been set free from slavery, even for those who have been set free from oppression, what, what the journey is going to teach us is that the road will not be a road of ease. 
What, what, what we in theological terms refer to as the fall, uh, that condition brought into the world through Adam and Eve's failure to obey God has damaged all our relationships and ensures that we will continue to encounter life's bitter waters. There is, brothers and sisters, no escaping it. The bitterness of slavery, which was memorialized in the eating of bitter herbs at the Passover, is now represented in the present experience of the bitter waters of Mara. I wish I could tell you that your last trial, whatever it was, would actually be your last trial in this life. But you would know very quickly that your pastor was not being honest with you. Weary days, sleepless nights, hills to climb, low-hanging clouds that inhibit our vision to see the light of God's glory, and pain are all a part of this life. In this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus tells his disciples. The question for us this morning, which was also the question for Israel, is how do you get to the second part of Jesus' statement where he says, be of good cheer? I have overcome the world. How do you get to the songwriter's declaration, I won't complain? Or or in the context of this passage, I won't grumble. Even, Even more, how do you get to a place where in the trials you remain committed to obeying God's truth? Obeying the truth that He has called you to exercise even when life is bitter. These bitter experiences then, these these trials as we call them in the church, uh, become a means through which God educates us as His people about His character and in which we learn how to put our faith into practice. Make no mistake. This education process does require faith, and faith in the overarching truth that that God is not absent from us in these bitter experiences of life. He, He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't fall asleep. He doesn't go on vacation when our lives are hard. And while He does not always lift the weary days, while He does not always lift the sleepless nights, while He does not always lift the hills to climb or the low-hanging clouds uh, when we want Him to, He always gives us what we need to persevere as we wait for Him to work His salvation in those bitter experiences of life. Israel was on a journey toward discovering this overarching truth about God about His presence with her in the midst of her trials and of her call to obey Him even in those experiences. And in this story, we learn some key principles to help us in our journey of discovering the same truth about God and our call to walk in obedience even when our bitter experiences are pressing in on us. So what, what indeed, brothers and sisters, do we discover about God? What do we discover about this call to obedience in the midst of life's bitter circumstances. One of the things we learn from this story is that we can take our and other people's grumblings to the Lord. We, We can take our grumblings and others' grumblings to the Lord. Now, Israel's response to this initial trial post slavery is actually not an unreasonable one on its face. They, they are in an arid region traveling with their children and their livestock. They have journeyed three days 
without finding water. And while the human body can last long periods without food, the absence of water is another thing altogether. Modern science tells us about two to four days is the max for most people. What I'm suggesting is that the people were, in fact, in a dire situation. And they most certainly would have anticipated, rightly, that they, their children, and their livestock would not have many more hours or days to spare without water. And if the absence of water which threatened their lives were not enough of a weight to add insult to injury, they come upon a spring of water, but the spring is undrinkable. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Can you imagine three days without water, and then you come upon something that looks like water, and you can't drink it? We're not told what what was the cause of the bitterness what made the water undrinkable, only, the place, only that the place is called Mara, a play on the Hebrew word which means bitter. As I said in the intro, the people who have experienced bitter slavery and memorialized that bitterness in the first Passover ceremony through the eating of bitter herbs are now facing another bitter circumstances, one that threatens their life. All I'm saying is that these are not stub-your-toe types of trials. <laughs> These are bitter experiences. These are hard trials. These are difficult circumstances. And so the grumbling isn't the grumbling of entitled people who expect everything to go well for them. It's the grumbling of folk who are being pressed, and in this case, to a point where they can see the possibility of death on the horizon. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where, 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 you, where, where, where the trial was so hard, where it was pressing in on you so hard that, that, that on the horizon you could see the possibility of death. I don't know if you've been there, but these kinds of bitter circumstances are the ones that cause you to cry out. No, the issue at this point in the story, at this point in the narrative, the issue isn't the grumbling itself. The issue is where Israel takes her grumbling. And while we're not told directly that this is an issue, the later stories of Israel's grumblings will make this point clear. At this point, Moses is preparing us to understand Israel's fault in her grumbling. We are made to understand that the fault understand that fault by watching Moses' response to Israel's grumbling. In a later part of the story, Moses himself is actually going to fail the test of what to do with grumbling, but at this point, he does the right thing. The thing all of us are called to do with the grumblings that rise up when we are being pressed by life's bitter circumstances. We take the grumblings to God. We take the groanings to God. We take the lamentations to God. Moses knows this best at this point, for it was to him that God spoke when he declared, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Israel's fault was that she was already forgetting that this was who God had already shown himself to be. Her fault is not in her groaning. It is rather summed up in the word against. Israel is now taking her groanings and she's turning them into charges, charges against Moses, which will grow later in the narrative into charges against God. What she should be doing 
is joining with Moses and taking her groanings to the one who has already shown himself to be faithful, already shown himself to be compassionate, already shown himself to be a God who is moved by her pain. Her deliverance is because God saw her affliction, saw her sufferings, saw her pain, saw her groanings. And when he saw it, he said, I've seen it, and now I've come down to deliver them. Israel's already forgetting that that's the God who delivered her from slavery. And so now in this present groaning, in this present trial, she's forgotten what God did in the past one. I'm not saying y'all do that. I'm just saying I know some people who do, so that's what, that's what I'm preaching to. I'm not preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to the folk who know that the, they already forgot the past thing God did for them, and now in the present, they're taking their grumblings, their groanings, and rather than taking them before the God who, has, who hears and sees and knows and cares, they are turning them into charges. And so I want to encourage you in the same way, reminding you that you've already seen God's faithfulness. You've already seen His compassion. You've already seen His steadfast love. You've already seen His concern for your pain. Other words, why are you here? Why, why are you here this morning worshiping if you don't know that God is the God who loves you, sees you, and has been with you in all of your mess? You're here because you've seen Him be that God in your life, and you're not, you need to know how to trust Him in this present circumstance, because He's the same God He was when He delivered you from the last thing. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. And so the encouragement, to, I mean, listen to what God, the encouragement God is making to his people. Keep bringing me your cries. Keep bringing me your pain. Keep bringing me your sufferings. Keep bringing me your agony. Keep bringing me your trials. Because guess what? I will see, hear, and answer. Obey the words of the apostle Peter. Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your cares on him. Did, did, you, did, you, see, did you hear what he said? Casting all your cares on him. Casting all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares about what's happening to you because he cares about what you're enduring, because he cares about your suffering, because he cares about your agony, because he cares about your pain. You don't serve a God who's so busy doing other things that he doesn't care about what's happening to you. That's the great glory of our God. He can keep the universe spinning and still deal with your, th your stuff. <laughs> Amen, people of God. And so the call, brothers and sisters, the call here this morning is to learn how to take our sorrows, our pains, our agonies, to take them, to take them to God, to take them to the God who sees and knows the God who cares. Encouragement, brothers and sisters, is to resist that temptation, to resist that temptation that we often experience 
in our trials where we want to punch out on other people. Rather than taking our pains and our sorrows and our struggles to God, we instead punch out on those who are not responsible for our trial, who are not responsible for our difficulty, who are not responsible for our pain. So I want to encourage you this morning, when you're in a trial, don't make your spouse your punching bag. Don't make your children your punching bag. Don't make your neighbors your punching bag. Don't make your, don't, 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 don't make your leaders your punching bag. If Moses, if, if Moses had been at fault for what happened, the people would have had, had, had a real reason to go to him and say, Moses, hey man, you're kind of messing up here. Can you get it together? But that's not the case. Their bitter experience wasn't Moses' fault. And so rather than punching out on Moses, rather, rather, than, rather than bringing their grumblings to him, they were supposed to be taking them to the Lord. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do this morning, <laughs> to take your pains, your sorrows, your agony, your grief to the Lord because he cares about you, because he sees what's happening to you, and because it matters to him because he loves you. And his steadfast love it wasn't just there for you in the past trial. It's for, the, it's for the one you're currently going through, and it's for the ones you will go through. Amen, people of God. Experience, uh, of the experience that Israel is now facing, I believe uh, there is another point being made, and the point is this. Obeying God's voice is possible, even in the midst of life's bitter circumstances. And I say this because most of us in this room know that it's when life is its most bitter that we feel the freedom to give ourselves a pass on obeying God. Let me say that again. When life is most bitter is the time we feel most free to give ourselves a pass on obeying God. It's when things are hard that we feel the freedom to give ourselves a pass. We convince ourselves that it's all right to bend God's laws a bit or ignore them altogether. I know God tells me to be angry and do not sin, but doggone it, I'm mad, and I need to make some folks feel my anger. So I had to cuss them out. I had to threaten them. I had to get in their face and, and close the physical space so that they could feel that they were in danger. I'm in somebody's home right now. I know it. I know God tells me to, to let my speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt, but some people need hot sauce, God. So I had to tell them like it is. I had to fight fire with fire to match word for word. I, I had to diminish them so that they would stop trying to diminish me. I know you told me not to steal, God, but I'm hungry, and my kids are hungry, and I've tried to find work but it's not working out, and I need a quick way to get cash. Don't worry if I didn't touch on the place where you give yourself freedom in hard circumstances to disobey God. You know. You know your own story and your own propensity toward responding in trial in this way. The point, the point is that God, the, the point is that God's if-then instruction to Moses implies to him and the people. It applies to him and the people. And it tells them that obedience to God's voice, even in bitter circumstances, is not impossible, but possible. In fact, 
it is expected by our God. And in case you think the covenant of grace gives us freedom to be loosey-goosey with our obedience to God, listen to the apostle John who tells us, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. And if you're struggling with the second half of God's statement in verse 26, then don't. For the point in verse 26 is that God wants what is good for you. Sin, sin only produces destruction. And sinning, when life is bitter, doesn't make it less bitter in the long run, but more bitter. And so the path toward good, the path toward good is obedience to God, even when we are in the midst of life's bitter circumstances. And no, it's not easy. But as Christians, we have been given a power that makes it possible for us to do what God commands, for He has placed his spirit on the inside of us to help us. Israel had that power in God's daily presence with them, and we have it in that same daily presence through the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we can obey God's voice in our trials, and God calls us to do so. And so, where are you struggling to obey God's voice in your trials? Perhaps you are one who struggles with generosity. You struggle already to give your time, to give your gifts, to give your treasures. And so along comes trial, along comes hardship, along comes a bitter experience, and you become even more tight, holding everything close to the vest for fear that you may need it yourself to deal with the circumstances you are facing. Yet even in difficulty, God calls us to be a blessing to those around us with what we have, if indeed we have something to give. And we can trust God that even as we open up our hands in difficult times, God will open up His hands and be more generous than we are. Amen, people of God. Perhaps it's not generosity, but idolatry that you struggle with. When bitter experiences come upon you, you pick up your favorite idol to help you cope with the situation, alcohol, drugs, sex, work, entertainment can all become idolatrous escapes. Yet God has placed His Spirit on the inside of us and thus has given us the power to lay aside these idols and instead worship and serve Him, looking to Him to give us strength to endure the trial until He is ready to deliver us from it. Wherever you're struggling today to obey the voice of God, Please know that God has given you power by His Spirit to keep His commands. And when you have failed, He gives you the power to repent and to walk in the life He has laid out for you. Our bitter experiences aren't, aren't an invitation to bend the law. <laughs> they aren't an invitation to go our own way. They're an invitation to trust God, to obey God, and to walk in His ways, and to know that as we do so, God will bless us as His people, and He will proclaim to those around us His goodness. Amen, people of God. Amen. Lastly, amen. 
Lastly, we can trust God's provision for the bitter experience. We can trust God's provision for the bitter experience. Let me state it as plainly as I can. What you need for life's bitter experiences, God will provide. In the narrative, God points out to Moses a piece of wood that when thrown into the water at Mara will cause the bitter water, which is undrinkable, to become sweet water, which is drinkable. Now, we're not told the nature of the wood or how its properties would result in bitter water becoming sweet. And of course, that's not the point of the story. The point is that what we need for life's bitter experiences, God will provide. And here's another thing. We may not even know what we need in that bitter experience, but God does. Israel didn't know that throwing wood in the water would make it drinkable. And we often don't know what we need to make our bitter experiences endurable. But God knows exactly what we need and promises to provide it. And here's another thing. The wilderness is full of maras. That is, it is full of experiences that remind us that the world in which we live is not what it should be. Just ask that single mom living below the poverty line if life is full of maras. Just ask that person who is sick and can't afford the money for doctor's visit if life is full of morals. Just ask that family that can't afford to live in the suburbs and so spends their life navigating the hood if life is filled with morals. Just ask that person with, with multiple traumatic experiences of abuse if life is filled with morals. The only thing that makes life in this world possible for the Christian is the knowledge of a God who sees all our morals and has bound himself not only to providing what we need to face them, but who is also committed to seasons of rest and renewal and hope in the middle of life's bitter experiences. That's what verse 27 teaches us. It teaches us that, that throughout this life, the God will provide us with Elam's. Seasons of refreshing in His presence. Seasons of refreshing that will keep us mindful of the hope that is in front of us, which is a permanent Elam, a permanent place of rest in His presence. And some of us need an Elam right now on our journey. I know it because I'm one of them. And I've talked to some of you who are right in that place as well. And trust me, God is faithful. He knows how to guide you to that place. So don't give up before you get to Elam. Don't, don't get up, give up before God gives you your rest. Israel didn't even know, they didn't even know that they were close to their place of rest. They didn't even know that they were close to Elam. They were grumbling, not knowing that Elam was right around the corner. <laughs> don't give up, people of God, for the Lord will provide. In Mara. And he will provide and lead you to Elam. And then Mara will come back around. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Mara, Elam. Mara, Elam. Some of y'all like Mara, 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 then Elam. <laughs> but either way, the point is, right? that God will provide for you 
in that place of bitterness, and He will lead you to a place of rest. Do I have some witnesses in the house? Do I have, do I have anybody who knows that that's who God is? And so the call here is faith. You're not going to go into a moral experience and have God abandon you in that experience. What you need for the bitter experiences of life in this world, God will grant it to you. How many of you all have, let me just talk to you. How many of you all have been in Mara's? I know my time is getting short. How many of you all have been in Mara's? Been in Mara's and thought you weren't going to make it out of it? How, how many of you have been in a bitter experience and thought, I'm not going to make it out of this? And a month later, you're still standing. And three months later, you're still standing. Tears, pain, grief. Six months later, you're still standing. Tears, pain, grief. A year later, you're still standing. Tears, pain, grief. Two years later, you're still standing. Tears, pain, grief. Five years later, you're still standing. And you're saying, how in the world am I still here? Why haven't I given up? Why haven't I thrown in the towel? Why haven't I just let it all go? It's because God is providing for you in the midst of that bitterness, giving you what you need to keep going until he brings you to your place of rest. It ain't, it, listen, it ain't because you're a strong person. It ain't because I'm so strong and, and, and I come from a family of strong people and we just have a strong constitution and we just know how to deal with trouble. That ain't why. It's because God is faithful. And if he wasn't, you'd be dead because you would have given up a long time ago. But the Spirit of God that is in you keeps you from giving. I know I'm talking to somebody this morning. keeps you going <laughs> until you get to God's place of rest. And so if it's perspective you need, God will give it. If it's peace that passes all understanding that you need, God will give it. If it's boldness or courage or humility or kindness, God will give it to you. Whatever it is, God will give you what you need in your moral experiences until he brings you out of that situation you are facing into Elam, into his rest. And so the call here again is to trust God to believe that what he says he will do is to believe him over the lies of your sin nature, over the lies of Satan and the lies of the world where it has set itself against God. The Lord is not a liar and will not abandon us in our trials. So if your faith is in Jesus, then Jesus' promise is for you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I will be with you in all of it. There's no way around it, people of God. The Christian journey includes Mara's, places of bitterness where the circumstances can seem unbearable. Yet God has promised to be with us, even in those dark places, even in those hard places, even in those bitter places of life. And what we discover about God and what we discover about our call to obey Him in these places is that we can take our grumblings to the Lord those bitter experiences, we can take them to God. Our groanings in those bitter experiences, we can take them to God. 
because he cares about our pain and he will listen to our groanings. We can obey God's voice in our bitter experiences. God has placed his spirit in us. He's empowered us to walk in his ways, even when life is hard. And lastly, we can trust God's provision to be there for us in all of the mars of life. God has already granted us everything we need for life and godliness in this world. The resources we need to endure the trial and wait for God's rest. They're there for us in Christ. And it is Christ who has secured these things for us. So I don't care if you praise him. I'm going to give him praise right now. And I'm going to thank him for being my God and my king and for being with me in all of my trials and taking care of me and not letting me give up, not letting me throw in the towel, not, let, not, 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 letting me, not letting me give in to the lies of my flesh or the lies of the evil one or the lies of the world. I just want to stand here for a moment and say thank you, Jesus, for not letting me give up. Thank you, Jesus, for holding me firm. Thank you, Jesus, that I still believe in you today. Thank you, Jesus, that I still trust you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.